right. What's up, everyone? I'm Amanda. And I'm Zach, and this is the A to Z Exchange. A weekly podcast where we discuss creative and cultural topics. Boom. That's it. That's what we do. And this <laughs> week, we also, we don't have a guest on this week, but we are going to cover the Our midterm. person had a family emergency and couldn't make it. So. Our person. Yeah, well, they would have been our person. So. Yeah, hopefully we can get her on in the future. <laughs> But we're going to cover, you know, some midterm election news this week, mm-hmm. and maybe some movies, maybe some books. Just kind of like a little catch-up episode, because although this podcast started originally as us talking to each other, it yeah. sort of evolved to a place where it's we, we only do this once a month now, so it's kind of weird. Yeah, or like once every other month, it seems like. <laughs> yeah, it's slowed down a lot. Um, but before we do that, we need to jump into and throw a big shout-out to our sponsor, Nosey College of Art. Right, Nosey. Um they offer photography, graphic design, video and film production, illustration, web design. Web design and development. A lot. <laughs> they offer a lot, and they're going to have a master's program coming up in the spring. In um, 2019, yeah. Yeah, so that's exciting. Um, just a huge shout-out for them. They let us film here every week. We are graduates of Nosy, and yep. that's all. That's I think that covers it for the most part. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> we all like right. them a lot. <laughs> they're awesome. So... The elections, yeah, they happened. They did. The midterms, they, they occurred. They didn't turn out the way I planned, but you know. What? How did you plan? <laughs> what was your plan for the election? Well, I'm definitely more of Democrat, so I was kind of wanting more Democrats to be elected, but. Yeah, but they did get the house. They got they something. Did, yeah. I mean, that's a that's a small victory, but it's a victory. It's not going to help gridlock in Washington because there was gridlock when the same party controlled the executive branch, the judicial branch, and, you know, the entire Congress. And yeah. now, now the Democrats, quote, call, you know, control half of Congress. So it's it's only going to complicate things, I think, even more, unfortunately. But Well, maybe there will be a little bit more arguing and discussing going on. <laughs> there's plenty of arguing. I think that's kind of part of the issue is there's not well. actual discussing. So hopefully, hopefully things improve some. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know enough about the individual House races to know if there was any, like, individual toxic members of Congress that have been voted out, whether Democratic or conservative, of oh, yeah. course. Because mm-hmm. it can get crazy either way you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they both have, for sure. So I'm hoping that, you know, maybe a wave of those those bad actors were voted out. But we, we'll just have to see as time goes on. Of course, the Democrats did not get the Senate. No. Or even close. Or they didn't our even state get close. that we live in. <laughs> No, Bredesen did not win. Which I was I'm very disappointed about because I like Bredesen and Carl Dean. So. Well, <laughs> Carl Dean, I feel like, did a lot for Nashville. He was our mayor, so it, I'm just kind of sad. For some reason, his messaging didn't resonate with people. I don't know what it was about Bill Lee's messaging that did because he didn't have much. It was a positive campaign, though. Yeah. I would like to say that. Between those two, Carl Dean and Bill, Bill Lee, Lee. It, it was mostly handled very positively even in Bill Lee's ads where he would say like he would open his ad with something like my opponent's a good man but I'm a better man vote for me that's goofy and that's not a reason to elect isn't that like passive aggressiveness though ah no I don't think so I think it's sort of something we don't have anymore where at least you're willing to compliment your opponent and say that they're a strong a strong person I haven't seen anything like it since McCain did in that happened in an President episode Obama. of This Is Us <laughs> Oh, well, I don't watch This Is Us. Well, you should watch This Is Us because it's awesome. No, such no. a good show. My uh, my partner watches it Bring every out the week, tissues. and she gets emotionally <laughs> invested. So it's so good. <clears throat> but yeah, Democrats lost. Yeah. Except the House, which is fun. I was really surprised Beta O'Rourke lost in Texas to Ted Cruz. I would, I just didn't. I thought Texas would vote Ted Cruz out. I thought he'd been there long enough. I mean, but you have to think about it. It's Texas. <laughs> I understand that, but it just, the way, everything that happened with that campaign from the way Beta O'Rourke ran his campaign to mm-hmm. what um, David Hogg and the Parkland survivors did with the, the billboards and with what uh, Richard Linklater did with the ad advertising series uh, with the townies in the bar, like, I, and, and Beta O'Rourke just being such a cool guy. Yeah, he is. I like that dude. I thought, but I thought that would surpass Ted Cruz. This is kind of something that I've thought about before in this area because Tennessee is a red state. Um, this kind of plays more on other things we've talked about too about, about environmental issues. But people come in, like I've seen some comments and things on social media. People who've come to Nashville 
from like California or places that are more liberal states and they complain about things that happen here like why people do things and like what's the deal I'm like like they and I'm, I'm really a big um, what's the word like I'm very I have very strong beliefs in education systems and I know because I grew up here that the education systems here aren't to where they should be at least in the more out, outer areas I have a hard time saying the word rural, so I'm not going to say It's not that. a good word. No, it's, it's not. It's, it's one of the worst <laughs> words in the English dictionary. And as, as a podcast goal, my number one goal is to change that word to something else. Yeah, so I'm just going to say the outer areas of Nashville. But anyway, so I grew up in the outer areas of Nashville. And people in Tennessee and Texas, like they're big agricultural places. Like if you go out to where I grew up, I mean, there's cattle farm after cattle farm after cattle farm and as right. far as I know it's the same in Texas and those people rely on those types of resources for their to make their living and I mean that is definitely an issue for environmentalists and they fall more on the liberal side so I feel like that plays into the fact as fact to why we are a red state why people aren't voting more liberally because they rely on those types of resources for their living. Right, so. and the resources they're relying on specifically in their cattle farmers, we'll throw in the vegan dose of vegan point right here, they rely on a ton of government subsidies mm -hmm. to keep their businesses afloat. Whether they are in agriculture, whether they're, they're operating a cattle farm or a dairy farm, or even certain, certain soy crops and things like that, like they're, they're, they're using a lot of government subsidies. So what's odd to me is why, at least under your pretense, why farmers would tend to lean conservative because they need to save the land for themselves and their business more than anyone else. And at the same time, the government helps them quite a bit. And I'm not against that, you know, for the most part. Like, we got to have good food supplies, and these are the people that produce our food supplies. So it's mm -hmm. valuable that the, they have subsidies. But in that case, why are they so typically anti-Washington or anti-government when a strong backbone, at least overall, of their, their existence and their profit is the government? I'm not, I don't really know if I have an answer to that. Right, okay, that's just a question. <laughs> I'm not sure. But it's, I mean, I kind of get the same kind of thing with people who are on, like, I don't know the specific statistics of this but people who are on like government assistance programs like food stamps or whatever right um they probably either don't vote or i don't know how what statistic wise which way it goes but and those people rely on those programs so i mean i've i don't know <laughs> i mean it's a hot button issue like when you break down the statistics because i've heard this that like that topic covered on both sides pretty I don't know, venomously, <laughs> because people people really try to manipulate the idea of welfare and, and mm -hmm. all of that stuff so much. Like the liberals will say, they'll look at people in those more rural communities <laughs> and they'll say, they'll bring up statistics where those people are using more food stamps and things like that to survive every week because there's less opportunity out there. There just is. I mean, we know there is. <clears throat> so they'll use more of that stuff but still vote say conservative who wants to cut funding like that but yeah. then the conservatives on the same side will bring up incredibly impoverished people that maybe are like in the inner cities or things like that or just born in bad neighborhoods to a bad lifestyle who are then maybe never developed the right skills to prosper in the job market even though they're close to a job market or closer than the rural communities so then they still have to use the food stamps and things like that as well and it's really awkward because mm -hmm. both sides just get so dug in on it that it's I don't know I noticed it wasn't really an issue in this election it seemed to be more about the wall Trump versus decency oh yeah it see it, it it was odd to me like he was the, the issue he was the issue not well he is else. the issue not he was he is the issue <laughs> he is the issue but it was like you know Marsha Blackburn here in Tennessee she ran her ads were like look I'm pro-Trump I'm gonna help Trump Trump's my guy Trump, 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 he supports me. Like, that were her ads. That's so weird to dollar, me. Dollar like, bills going in her pocket. <laughs> yeah, it's so odd. Like, I don't, it's, I was weird. And then the, the guy in, I think it was Florida that built, I think it was in Florida. I don't remember if it was a governor's race or a Senate race, but he had his advertisement where his child was building a wall, the wall out of blocks. And he was reading like a Trump bedtime story to him. And they're, 
I didn't understand that. Like, I don't remember Black in my lifetime. Black kid's going to grow up with some great morals. <laughs> I just didn't see that, like, in, say, 2010 or 2012 or, or 2014 under the Obama years where Democrats were like, and guess what we're going to do? We're going to love Obama, 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 Obama. And even going back to the time when I was younger, I don't remember seeing that under the Bush years where people came out and said, look, we're pro-Bush, we're pro-Bush, we're pro-Bush, we love Bush, Bush is the man, elect me. Like, that never became part of their platform. They would, they would agree with President Bush on things, of course, because that was what their party had agreed upon, right? Yeah. But they never, it was never like he was the issue. And that's weird. Yeah. Anyways. I was growing up through like, you know, my teenage years during the Bush administration. So, I mean, I wasn't at the time able to like vote during that stuff, but I, I remember and I have my own opinions about him. But yeah, you're right. Like that just wasn't a thing. Like people were against him or for him, but they weren't like, this is, they like, this is like our God or whatever. Like, well, like you know? it's, it really they feels like. They didn't praise him like. They yeah. Didn't. I was really hesitant to call it a cult of personality until this election. Like, I, I don't want to, you know, there's a negative connotation that comes with that word, of course. But I don't want to insult people that did vote for President Trump because well, there's I so many different reasons why people would do it. I personally don't understand it. I, there's some things that I cannot justify. Uh, yeah. But I don't want to, like, you know, I just there's... don't want to shoot down on people that, that maybe have a different belief than I. But... With the way these midterms ran, it, it's gotten weird, and now, it, it, in terms of, like, when you have people running on the issue of Trump, like, I, I'm ready to say it's a cult of personality at this mm -hmm. point. We've, we've officially entered into that age where he is the issue. Well, and I could probably take it to a next level, next level, then kind of, well, it's kind of similar, I guess, but, um, because of what I know about, you know, what happened during World War II, and, like, some other things that I've read, we're kind of on the borderline of like fascism with him. Cause it's like these people, he's like there and these people just follow him like wherever they want, wherever he goes. And I'm just like, and some of the way things are going, like we were, you, we've talked about before about human decency and my, minority groups, everybody is just people. So, you know, whatever, but, um, <laughs> but to Fun get, fact, to, get to my people. point, the groups it's like they target specific groups of people and like that's what nazis did like <laughs> so are we gonna wind up back in that kind of situation is it i mean i don't know i feel like we're at least civilly in that type of situation because like i live out still in like a, a rural i can't say that word you did good you got it i think you, you got it on that one <laughs> area and I sometimes feel a little bit weird because I live by myself and I live in the wood, like in the woods. I live in the woods. And I sing Hank William Jr. songs all day. Well, no, I don't. But um, <laughs> I play my Janis Joplin record a lot. But anyway. Um, <laughs> Anyways. But like everybody around me, for the most part, are pretty conservative Republicans. And most of the time, people just stay to themselves. But. Right. I sometimes feel a little odd out there by myself because I'm open. I don't look the same as most people that live out there. And I'm a woman. No, that's targets on my back, kind of. Uh, I but, hope not. So, but. I like to think we are improving marginally. Like, currently, like, I see a lot of the issues. And, of course, everyone knows I'm pretty left. I'm pretty, pretty much a stereotype at this point. Like, I, in a lot of ways, right? But I think there's a lot of structural problems that it seems like we just keep, in, 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 at least in the Democratic Party, just keep losing. We just keep losing in terms of the structural things. And this goes back to 2000. Like, it goes back to 2000, and we keep, like, when it matters, we, we don't show up, we don't vote well enough, or we let some of those regulations and the things that make it harder to vote in certain city communities, because they do exist, and there's structural problems, and we're never really resolving them, and that's what makes it not feel like it's improving as much from, like, that level. But I also think, like, talking to people, I serve tables during the week because I really enjoy it for some reason. And I talk to a lot of people, and it's like, people can get along. They can be polite about it. But we have to pull it out of the media as much. It can't be the focal point. We can't attach and associate politics to every single situation in our lives. And... 
with this cult of personality that's kind of seems to be festering and with the media attention that it obviously garnishes i mean we're talking about it right like it makes things become divisive and it's like that's a structural problem we mm -hmm. have that how we talk about these as a society and that's something we're still struggling with like as a nation and i'm hoping that the more people that can like identify that problem and address it we can move past it like i think we're doing that with this podcast with having yeah. longer conversations like joe rogan's sort of doing the same he gets a lot of hate for it from people that aren't maybe as enlightened as he is on certain issues but it's one step at a time i do think it's it's better than a lot of us think and i think i you know yeah I'm, I'm a big believer that like propaganda exists and manipulation exists it's real and it's on both sides of the aisle and if like if we can do what we can to just takes it back to education like acknowledge that problem and teach people how to deal with more propaganda or more, more misleading information on a daily basis i think we'll be okay yeah and to teach them not to argue and not to teach them to fight because we also have that's an idea people yeah, are like to let's, discuss. let's debate like, let's debate no let's discuss like both ways like you have an issue you get into it you debate it you look at both ways so the against and the for part like my sister's kind of doing that right now and she is more conservative I don't know exactly how she feels about the subject matter I feel like she's probably not very for it but she's not probably totally against it um, but she's doing this project she was telling me about about medical marijuana and she's on the opposing side of the debate so she has to argue against it with her group medical cannabis well whatever it's 2018 <laughs> um, it's all about the brand and Anyways. so I don't know, it, it hasn't happened yet. She's still working on putting it together, so I don't know what will happen. But um, like, but you do that kind of thing, and you take that, and you look at both sides of it, and you figure out your opinion. Right, but she's doing that in a debate format, right? Yeah. See, that's don't, a don't, Like, I get, I've, part of it to me comes from, like, this thing that I was listening to with Oprah, like, people who grow up in, systems where their families are pretty conservative or Christian or I mean and, and it can probably it can happen on the left side too if your family's like super hippie and like out there you're probably gonna oh, be a little bit I, out there. I come from a left fam well we're a mix but, but it's it's a left family I mean yeah. it's I have a bubble but people don't you grow up and that's your side and that's what you grow into as you grow up you right. migrate to that same kind of thing because that's what you know People are afraid of what they don't know, so they don't try to advance themselves into something they don't know. Into different thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't help them learn anything. Yeah, and that's amplified with social media. But yeah. in terms of the two side things, I want to touch on that because I think that's an idea that we all kind of go into. We all think debate and one side versus the other side, and we kind of stop that. I mean, and it sounds weird, but we need to go back to like the founding of our nation. That was that was the thing that President Washington specifically was against was political parties. And there was a reason for that. And the idea is that if you take political parties, eventually they're going to team up. They're going to build on each other. and We're going to get to the system where it's one or one or the other, one or two, one or two, one or two. And if it sounds silly, but if we approach an issue that way with for or against or against or for or A versus B, that's going to reflect in our parties. And then it's going to reflect in gridlock. So I think we need to approach things not in a debate format at all. Because a debate format is made for debates and people that are trained in debating and arguing and the tactics used mm -hmm. and how all of those things work together. We need to approach it in, in a discussion, in a looser form, where it's just kind of almost looking into things with other people. Like, I don't need to try to convince a conservative in my family in a more liberal idea I just need to look at what they're looking at and then kind of show them what I'm looking at and then look at it from that way. And then hopefully maybe I show them something that agrees more with them and less with me, but at least we're just exchanging things in a better yeah. way. Mm -hmm. And I hope I hope we can do that with this podcast eventually. Yeah. But I don't know. I definitely feel like personally I need to work on getting better at doing that with my family. <laughs> yeah, we, it's where it starts. <laughs> I don't know. I saw a meme or something last week where everyone... I'm definitely pretty much the oddball out of my family other than my mom mom super chill but. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but someone said that they said guys like it was right after the midterms it was a tweet or a meme and they said guys it starts with your families like if you can't if you can't go to thanksgiving because that's coming up of course if you can't talk politics with your family 
that's bad. And we shouldn't hide from that. We shouldn't say, let's not talk about it. No, we, we should actually encourage it now more than ever because we need, to, we need to form some positive bonds based off healthy disagreement. And it's like if we keep telling ourselves that it's taboo or that we can't do it, we're pushing it into the shadows, and you're, you're going to get people that are filled with terrible, terrible information, and you're going to see things like, you know, a synagogue shooting. Yeah. Right. So, or an elementary school shooting. Yeah, or just <laughs> another shooting. Because we just had another one. Yeah, and and we all know, based off crime information, that those are a reflection of our society. What mass murderers do is a reflection of who we are. So we got to figure out, deep down in our thread, what is it? What is it? And I'm I'm hoping I'm hoping I'm hoping now that this election's over. You should dive into it. That's a good philosophical question. You should. What? Why we do that? Why is that so deep in in our society? What what has happened for us to progress for that to happen? I think it's it's thousands of years of evolution and tribalism. I think it's a survival instinct, and I think we need to overcome that. We need to accept. We all need to agree that in most places. I'm going to say in this country in this country. We have an issue with poverty. We do have an issue with homelessness. Like not everything's perfect. And healthcare. And healthcare, it's not, it's, it's really not, like I'm not trying to put anything that needs to be fixed on a pedestal, but at the same time, look, if, if you don't look at the rest of the world, 50% of it specifically and acknowledge that we got it pretty good over here, that we're not, I don't actively wake up every day and say, where am I gonna get food? Like I'm not in a, like I'm not in a survival situation. I'm in more of like, an enjoyment situation. What do I want to do that I enjoy? And a lot of people are like that, whether they, and they take that enjoyment and they watch Netflix or they watch TV or they go bowling. I don't care. But like, typically that's, that's where we are in, in America. We're, we're looking for enjoyment. We're not looking for direct survival. And there are people that are. But because we're not looking for direct survival, we don't need to, to treat others like we're operating on direct survival. We need to treat them like we're just trying to have a good time together. I'm hoping... I'm hoping more and more people will yeah. come around as time goes on, especially now that we've had the we've had the uh, midterms and we've kind of had a reset. But we shall see. Uh, I'm trying to force optimism as much as I can. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's difficult to do in this time. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really trying. <laughs> I'm, I'm really trying. <laughs> so um, hard. I mean, this is not really have to do anything with politics, but on your point of people trying to enjoy their life, I feel like also in this country and from things that I've read and things that I've seen, like as a person, everybody wants to do that. They want to have a life. They want to do things they enjoy. They mm -hmm. want to, you know, have fun. You only get to, well, at certain points, you only get to live once. It's, but, it's the hierarchy of needs. I mean, yeah. that's the, you got survival, and but then I don't know the next layers. But. Here, and it kind of plays into what I was saying before about people growing up and growing into what they know. You, like, you go to school, you get out of school, you go to college, you get married, you get a job, you go to that job, you do that. But does that really give you enjoyment? It's something that I think about a lot. Like, you really need to sit down and listen to yourself and figure out, is that something that you really want? And I feel like not enough people do that. So that can play into a little bit of some of the problems. Yeah. Because not enough people are really sitting down with themselves, honing in on what they think and what they believe and what they want and what they need. Because some things that one person would perceive as a hobby or something that's fun, to another person, that could be what they want to do. Like that's something that gives them passion, right. that gives them a drive, it's what they want to create. Well, I'm a big, I'm a big, big um, advocate for finding a hobby, finding something productive to do separate from your work. Um, yeah. You know, I don't know if there's a direct like realm of philosophy, but you don't study in your bed. You don't no. because no. you're gonna you're gonna dream about homework and it's gonna stress you out and you're gonna sleep worse. And like I'm very strong on that. Like if you got a job that you're just there to make money, that's kind of cool because you can actually if you think about it and you know how to block things out and if you've I guess meditated on things like this. You can you can separate that from what you enjoy doing, and then you can have this great thing that you really enjoy doing on the side, and you can make that happen. And when you're doing that, you're also producing things. You're not consuming things. You're adding something to the world mm -hmm. instead of just taking things away. Which the whole system of, you know, getting a job to collect resources to spend those resources on other resources. 
that gets that gets tiresome. That's a rat race, and I, unfortunately, I think a lot of people get caught up in that rat race yeah. at a young at a young time in their life because they definitely do. <laughs> and they do. And how do they reinforce it? I think they reinforce it by the idea that they need this money to survive. They got to make it happen. Instead of saying, for some people, I know I've met people in my life that they could go get a not the best job waiting table somewhere and have enough money to get by and do what they need to do and then have time on the other hand to pursue something else and they won't do it because they don't they're going to be earning less money somewhere you know and they won't do it it's like okay yeah i definitely understand that completely <laughs> okay like just i have to have this argument all the time with my family but whatever they just don't understand what I want so because I am out of that I don't think that way that's not how I want to live my life um so but I know everyone's not like that some people enjoy the comfort of just but doing the going back to the whole we're kind of going everywhere right now just yeah this is a sporadic (laughs) and we're like 25 minutes in too so we're gonna cut it out pretty soon but well I mean we can go you know what I mean roughly but Talking about people who can make, who go out and make money to consume things. We are coming up on Thanksgiving, as you said. Mm-hmm. But what comes with Thanksgiving is Black Friday. Oh yeah. And the holidays in general. I mean, we just had Halloween, and they're already putting all these Christmas commercials out. Uh, Cracker Barrel decorated their stores for Christmas oh, in June. Yeah, I mean they've been putting Christmas stuff out wow. since August at least. But in June. This is what. Like I, like I, have really. We're sitting here with Christmas cups. Into my oh well, yeah. <laughs> I'm also drinking a peppermint mocha, so. Right, right, right. <laughs> but um, we're getting into the Christmas season, and I personally, I mean, I have my own beliefs, but I personally have no desire whatsoever, and I've had this for several years now, to not celebrate Christmas at all, because, and not because like. I'm atheist or because I don't believe in it or whatever. I'm just really pretty much anti-consumerism. Yeah, we've gotten like, so detached from the idea of it. Uh, yeah, like, and I can't say that I'm like anti-consumerism because, I mean, I have my own faults. You know, everybody does where they impulse buy shit. Oh, so whatever. But, um, like, just be more mindful of where you're, what you're buying. Like, this is an issue that comes up a lot in my family where, We'll do like a thing for Christmas and we'll set it up, but they'll just go buy something just to buy something. Right. To give to somebody. To check a box. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Like, don't do that. Be mindful of what you're buying and be mindful of the person you're buying something for. Like, take into consideration what they want. And if you can't afford to buy what they've asked for or what they want, then just don't buy it or be open enough to communicate with that person that you you can do that for them. Well, it's it really has. Because it's not about that. Well, I agree. It's it's you start to check a box. I mean, my I, I we have a big family get together every single year, and I was talking about to my grandmother about this recently as well. It's like everyone comes in, and you have to buy. You know, you just because of the nature of what's happening, you have to buy a gift for everyone there. And it's like if there's 20, 25 people, I gotta buy a lot of gifts. Like me and mm-hmm. and, and Mary Beth, like we have to buy a lot of gifts for my family, and then same for her family. But at the same time, if we're being perfectly honest me and her both left home we live an hour hour and a while we live a good ways away from our families and in terms of like when we look at aunts and uncles and cousins we would be lying if we said we spent a lot of time with them and and knew them very well and we should know them better but we don't so at the end of the year you know we kind of come in and we're like oh we got to buy them a gift we don't know what they need so what do people end up getting and we'll go home with batches of popcorn yeah, you'll it, wind up with stuff and, you don't need, you don't use. No, and you kind of get bitter about it, and it just doesn't... Yeah, you get bitter because they don't... You. And this it's, is what's happening it's awkward. to me. Yeah, it gets <laughs> awkward, and you get bitter because it... Like, to me, kind of, this is what happened. This is a personal thing that I deal with, but it's like kind of a hit to, to yourself because you're like, these people are my family, but they don't know what I want, like... You yeah, know. it forces you to think about that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's always a fun one. So, I mean, and then you don't want to say you kind of want to be nice. I mean, I'm not really, but 
Um, <laughs> yeah. You want to be nice. You don't want to hurt that person's feelings because you don't like their thing, you know. But. But in reality, they they probably don't like what you got them either. Yeah. I mean, it's just. And I'm pretty hard. open about that. If it's something that I don't want or don't like, I'm pretty open about that. And that hurts people's feelings, and I feel bad because it hurts their feelings. See, and it's I'm, just, I'm, I'm open about like it in closed in doors. I'm, I'm super nice about it at events because, like, I got in trouble one time when I was a little well, for Well, you it. are way more patronizing than I am, so. <laughs> well, yeah. Most people don't pick up on it, though, so I don't know if it's patronizing. But I got in trouble when I was little because my aunt bought me a sweater, which... I would look at now, and I'm like, that was probably a great sweater. It was probably so fantastic. Like, it was probably goofy and weird, and, like, now I would really appreciate it. But she got it for me when I was, like, six or seven, and I'm a kid, and I wanted toys. Went back when, you know, kids still had toys, and it wasn't all digital, but, like, mm -hmm. wanted, like, some toys, I'm sure. And, like, I got a sweater, and I remember being like, I don't like this sweater. I don't like sweaters <laughs> or something like that. And I got in trouble for it because my parents were like, that's rude. Don't do that. And now, like... If someone gets me a bad gift, I usually just kind of keep it down, and then, um, you know, my good old partner, Mary Beth, she gets to hear all about it. And then well, you secretly take it back to the store. Well, then you secretly <laughs> take it back to the store. Or you have to do that anyways. Like, sometimes I'm very, it's very hard to buy clothes for me because, like, I don't know, my sense of style isn't... Mm. Um, You're pretty metro, so... I don't know what it's considered, yeah. <laughs> I, it's, there's nothing, like, it's just not, it's not, it's just not, it's not easy to buy clothes for me. So they'll buy me clothes and maybe I enjoy the shirt, but what if it's in the wrong size because I'm such a tiny little dude? Well, now I gotta take it back and return it anyways. And if they don't have that, I'm gonna have to purchase something different. So it's like, wouldn't a gift card make sense there? But if someone buys you a gift card, is that a good present? No. So it's like, what should we be doing instead is like trying to spend time with these people. Instead of buying crap for them. Yeah, and I'm hoping, <laughs> I'm trying to push the idea, at least in my family, of like instead of purchasing gifts to instead teach teach each other some things like whatever those things may be like mm -hmm. I know Mary Beth jokes all the time and says well I'm gonna teach you how to French braid if that's what you want to teach me I'll learn I'll wear I'll rock a French braid ponytail if if I know you but do French braid pigtails no my ears <laughs> are too big for that I don't need to bring attention to them I don't want to look like um, Willie Nelson or um, what's that other dude I can't think of his name right now. I don't know. Comment below. He's got ponytail. Post Malone. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of it, I think the New York Times. No, Washington Post just did a review on, like, one of his, his concerts. And it was the funniest thing I've ever read. And if you can find a Washington Post review of Post Malone, read it and check it out. I highly recommend it. It's really mean, but it's funny. So. Well, he's kind of a weird dude, so. <laughs> he's a weird dude. And it's it's. He's doing his own thing. He's an individual. But there, um, some of the jokes in that were just hilarious. I'll find it. Yeah, it's good. But anyways. Um, so I what are we going to, we're going to do movies. I think we need to talk about movies and what we're reading before we break out of this because we've had a good healthy discussion on politics, everything life and philosophical. <laughs> everything there. Well, I will talk philosophy anytime. <clears throat> right. If um, you want to talk philosophy more, leave it in the comments because I will yeah. definitely go down the rabbit well, hole we're gonna have into to, philosophy. And it's fun because we need to read <laughs> on it too, like for sure. We would need to like, it would help us learn more about it because we, we're not philosophy majors. Goodness, we went to art school. But anyways. Um, I mean, going to art school, I was kind of part of, I mean, art in general, I feel like goes with philosophy. Very well, but, <laughs> you know, you can, you can, you can get a master's in philosophy. Well, yeah, you you know, there are organized ways but to look at it. But anybody who, like, seeks to learn uh, is a philosopher. It's that broad, yeah. But. It's, it's broad. But there's a history of it. There's ideas that are being debated across centuries, you know, yeah. and you need to understand how to, I don't know, approach those arguments or else you're going to end up like a lot of people today and just bastardize niche you know what i mean like mm -hmm. because they don't understand what he's responding to anyways or existentialism because people really don't understand what it is yeah. when they say they're having an existential crisis yeah right <laughs> yeah yeah it's like what are you talking about you just need to get a new hose pipe from the store it'll fix your problem your garden will be okay <laughs> specific reference. A water hose oh right <laughs> Is it not a hose pipe? It's a hose. Well, yeah, here it is, but the technical term is a water hose. You and, and Mary Beth <laughs> both get me on that one all the time. Well, Anyways, let's talk about movies real quick and books. Boom. Okay. That well, was a transition. So, 
I guess the last movies I saw were Woman Walks Ahead and Fan The Fantastic Beast and Where to Find Them. Finally watched that one. That was on DVD, though. The last movie I saw in the theater, I think, was All Star is Born, because I saw it twice. <laughs> oh, that counts, yeah. That was a good one, though. It was a good movie. Yeah, I took my yeah. grandma to see it again, so. So did well, you like those movies? Yeah. Star is Born is great. We've already talked about that on a previous Extensively. Episode. We don't need to talk about that anymore. <laughs> but Woman Walks Ahead was good. I didn't know. <coughs> excuse me. It's about um, this lady, Catherine Walden, who was a portrait painter in 1890s, in the 18, late 1800s. And Buffalo Bill, she went out to um, the reservation. I think it's still Standing Rock back then. Um, to like uh, be with them and t to do portraits of the Indians, the Native Americans, is that the right term? I don't know. But um, and but it was interesting because I didn't know who she was. I didn't know anything about her. Right. And I guess um, she had had been a portrait painter but had previously done it under her husband's name, I guess, or something like that. Hmm. Um, but it was pretty good. The cinematography was good because it's out in like the – North Dakota, so it's pretty wide Just open. Big. Yeah. yeah, man. Uh, <laughs> uh, Those are hard movies to make too. Yeah. Because of that, because you get so caught up in the cinematography that they ignore the stories a lot of times. Yeah. Jessica Chastain, I watched an interview with her about the movie, and she was saying that she had a hard time when she was out there and they were filming that with the sun being so bright, she squinted a lot, and she was trying to not do that until she was like talking to the director, and then they kind of talked about how. But that would have been a natural thing for her to do out there because it's yeah. so bright and so open. She would have been squinting, so yeah. she just went with it. But yeah, it's like and then, if you're squinting, just yeah. <laughs> and then Fantastic Beast was pretty good. It wasn't as good as Harry Potter, in my opinion, but it was all right. That's like I watched bar. the new one. <laughs> yeah. Ezra, the talent that was in it was good. I mean, Ezra Miller's amazing. I love that guy. So. Um, I like the other dude. Um, Eddie Redmayne. He's good. Eddie He's Redmayne's good. awesome. When I saw that he was doing that movie, I was kind of disappointed. Honestly, I was like, "This is below him." Yeah. Personally, he just. Well, is. I mean, I'm he, not, I'm, that would be negative to go into that. <laughs> what I mean, people do those kind of movies all the time, just for whatever reasons. Their own, they have uh, their own reasons. I'm for sure. For quick money, like I'm yeah. sure. Like, and then they might have contracts with studios, but whatever. There's no but, way it's as artistically gratifying as like the last three films he did before oh, that. I mean, the theory of everything. Come on, like you can't go any higher. And than a Stephen Danish Hawking. girl, like. Oh yeah, the Danish. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's really no good. way this like. Stephen Hawking though. Made him feel. I have yet to actually watch it. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. <laughs> um. <coughs> Those are good choices though. I recently watched a movie called Lucky. Oh wait, the one with. Who's in it? Is that Scarlett Johansson? No, no that's Lucy. That was Lucy, and that was not worth anyone's time. <laughs> um, no, this was. This is a film that I guess it's called Lucky, and it's. I can't think of the, the actor's name. He's been around forever. He's like 87 or 96 years old or something stupid. Dang. Decrepit. And his name is Lucky in this film. And he's an old 96-year-old man or 90-year-old man or something like living alone. And he's basically like an old sort of like atheist who's like dealing with his mortality. So obviously yeah. there's a connection there. But like it's weird because he's like healthy and he kind of falls. And the doctor's like, I don't know what to tell you, dude. You're healthy. And it's like, why are you so healthy? And he like does yoga every morning. So you get these weird sequences where this just like 90-year-old man like in his like underwear is doing yoga. It's, it's something, you know, you never think you're going to see in, in, in on screen. And it's so good. I think it was an Amazon movie originally. Um, David Lynch is actually in the film. He plays a cameo, and his cameo... Wait, is he directing? No, um, another man is directing. He played uh, Marge's husband in Fargo. I can't think of his name. It's He's also a Lynch. In the, the movie? The original movie. He played whose husband? Marge's husband. The sheriff's husband. That's not H. Macy, is it? That's not... No, 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 no. No, okay. no it, he, he spent most of that movie, like, eating cereal or in the bed talking to her about her day. Like, oh, okay. But it's him. He's the director of this film, and I think the writer as well. And he's his last name is Lynch, but I don't know his first name or even if he's related to, like, the Ditch. But it was great. It was so... It was well shot. It was well handled. The emotion was strong. Um, it's dealing with some heavy subjects. Um, 
the man in that role, he, he it was released posthumously. He died yeah. right after of cancer. Aww. So it's it's heavy, but it was it was so so well put together. And David Lynch's role in that film was so just enjoyable to watch because if you know anything about David Lynch and his, the, how he writes and his creative process, yeah. like that comes out in his character in the film, and it's so I don't know. Um, it, it's just so he, whimsical, like his character. So it's it's a blast. Watched it, enjoyed it, and I watched another movie called What We Do in the Shadows. Which is a sort of like a comedy. I don't know if it's a darker comedy. Does that poster have a dog, like a wolf on the front? I don't know. What's that movie called? Maybe. Anyway. It's. I think it has a coffin on the front. It's called What We Do in the Shadows. It's from Jermaine Clement, um, half of Flight of the Concords, a New Zealand-based mm-hmm. band that made an HBO show, and it's a documentary about vampires in the modern world. And it takes every vampire trope you know and sort of flips it on its head. It turns a horror into a comedy. It turns a drama into a documentary, into a mockumentary, and it take, it's just so fun. I just realized that I lied. The last movie I saw in the theaters was not A Star is Born. I did go and see um, Studio 54, which is a documentary about the famous Studio 54 in New York. And it was pretty good. That place was crazy, though. And they really oh, I didn't know you it watched up. that in theaters. Yeah, I went to the Belcourt and saw it. They really, like, the story of that place is amazing. But how that, I mean, because those dudes went from basically nothing to running the most popular nightclub in the world. And, but they just didn't handle it well. And it just went, they got attacked. I mean, they didn't pay, they were scamming some of the money and the IRS got a hold of them and, you know. Yeah, once once you get caught up in that web, you're pretty pretty stuck uh, unless you're the president. One of the, the guys, what was his name? One of the guys he still does, he does a lot of hotel design and um, uh, uh, builds hotels now. So, But it was a pretty cool documentary to see that part of that time period because they kind of touch about it a little bit in there because that's in the late 70s, so it was before Reagan and people were like pretty open and everybody was dancing with everybody and, you know, hanging out and just getting along and you know the disc- doing drugs yeah doing drugs having <laughs> sex like i mean Changing the world. they were saying like they said kind of made some comments that the disco era kind of came out of the gay clubs and and it just kind of became like a big communal thing and but then like reagan happened and like kind of shut that down and then the recession happened and you know i don't know so but it was well, good i liked it a lot I'll have to check it out. Maybe we can link all these things, like start linking the trailers yeah. and the stuff in the description. If you're interested in that, let us know below. Yeah, Whoa. it was a really good, Studio 54. Um, are there any books you're working on or reading right now so we can plug a couple books before we go? Yeah, I am going to make a comment, though. There's two movies that I have been announced that I'm super excited about. Um, they're both music-related. And since we're in Music City, it's relatable to us, too. But um, one of them is going to be directed by... I don't know how to pronounce his name. The guy who directed Call Me By Your Name. Uh, okay. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Anyways, um, that's going to be based on... He's Bob directing Suspiria too, right? Yeah, Suspiria. Right. Okay. Um, but this movie is going to be based on Bob Dylan's album, Blood on the Tracks. Mm-hmm. I'm super excited because I love that album. Um, and then Ava DuVernay, Ava DuVernay announced um, that she's going to be directing a print movie about Prince. So... I'm pretty like excited. A documentary or like a biopic? I think a biopic. So <coughs> I'm pretty excited about that too. Well, that'd be interesting. That'll be fun set design. But books, I need books. to hear your books because okay. so we got to wrap this up. The books, the current book that I'm reading is called Endurance. It's by Scott Kelly, the astronaut who spent a year in space. Sorry, I'm, I'm like having some problems. But <laughs> she also recently spent a year in space. I wish I had spent a year in space. That would be amazing. She spent a Saturn. <laughs> she's she spent a Saturn year in space, which is ten thousand days. Wow. Yeah. Is that how? What? How, why is it ten thousand? Is that like how? That's how long it takes Saturn to go around the sun. Oh. Yeah. Damn. Didn't know that fact. It's a tool reference. <laughs> oh, see, I don't. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I don't know that much about Tool. <laughs> it gets weirder the more you get into them. But, um, 
I'm on the hype train. The album's gonna come out in the spring, so I'm on it's the It's a hype cool train. book though. It's really it's kinda like uh he goes back and forth between his year in space and like his life and how he got to being an astronaut. Um, so he talks a lot about how he got started and he was a Navy pilot and he talks about mm -hmm. like going through the training of being a Navy pilot and his marriage and you know, his relationship with his current girlfriend and his kids. You know, it's typical like memoir type of deal. But it's cool, and there's some pictures in there of him up there, and um, one of the ladies, I think her name was Stephanie, um, she was an Italian astronaut that was up there for him, with him for first few months. That woman knows like eight languages or something crazy. No, I she's mean, an advanced person. Oh yeah, she spoke Italian, English, Russian, Mandarin, like, I don't know, a lot of languages. I'm like, damn this woman. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to have him, like, describe and explain how the operations on the space station work, um, what they have to do while they're up there. They, he, like, describes in detail about how he lives up there and his mm -hmm. living quarters and, you know, those types of things. So it's pretty interesting. I'm pretty sure it's all fake news, though. Yeah. Just because the Earth's flat, so. How you going um, to the space station if the Earth's flat? I mean, it would be kind of interesting, though, to be up there and... That's a joke. That's a joke. I don't want people to think I believe that. Oh, yeah. There's Sorry. like a new documentary coming out about that. <laughs> about Flat Earth? Yeah. Oh, I'm excited. Flat Earthers. I would love to watch that. Um, as long as it handles it with care. And it's not like just mean. Um, like, to think, though, that they're up there, that that space station is up there all the time, rotating the Earth, doing like 17,000 miles an hour. I just can't imagine that. Like, that's insane. <laughs> he talks about there was an incident where... Well, they don't feel it, you know? Yeah, like, I know. miles per hour is... Like, you don't think that miles per hour is relevant or relative, but it is. It's mm -hmm. relative to the planet. It's like they're separate from that. You know, they're going around it, so... Yeah, he... Uh, in this part that I was just reading, he describes a, there was an incident where they were... Um, in the path of getting hit by space garbage. And he was talking about, they had this protocol they had to go through that they got the information too late for the space station to move itself out of the way. It got too close to move itself out of the way. And so they were like in the trajectory directly with this space trash. And they had to do all their protocols or whatever, but he was it was very like, oh my God, to, Think about how he was saying that if that hit them, they're just obliterated, like gone. Just like, this is insane. <laughs> this kind of freaks me out, but um, I still would go to space. <laughs> okay, well, that's where we are. I was talking, I was kind of discussing this book with my grandma, and she was like, uh-uh, nope, I'm staying right here. I'm like, I'll go. See ya. <laughs> I'll get there in probably a decade. A lot of people going out. But we'll see. But, Speaking of space, I've been reading a comic series called Chew. Which I don't know if I talked about last week, but uh, Mary Beth bought me the last four volumes of it to mm -hmm. complete the 12 volume sort of like set. And man, it's good. Basically, like the whole idea of it though is it is a comic book, but it's like a good comic book. It's not just like superheroes and suits. It's not one of those. It's more of a story and <laughs> not like a weekly thing or month. Anyways, um, and it's like the idea is that there was this big bird flu that killed like uh, millions of people. So now the FDA. <clears throat> now chicken is illegal. It's illegal to buy and purchase chicken. It's on the black market and stuff like that. So now the FDA, in order to enforce chicken to protect against another bird flu, is like head honcho in the government. Like it's like crazy. Like they're just this crazy government organization. They do whatever they want. Like they come in, someone will say, you need a warrant, officer. And they're like, we're FDA. And they're like, oh, well, I guess you don't need a warrant. You know what I mean? They're like the ultimate state control thing. And it just gets crazier from there. Like there's fighting chickens that are like, working for the secret service there's the usda which is like a weird group of like they're women i don't know why like i don't know what the joke is there but it's like a group of like old women that runs the usda <laughs> and they like compete with the fda but then there there was also like there's some space stuff going on it too separate from all this like kind of in this b story it's all sort of coming together into this religion i don't want to spoil anything but like within the space stuff that is happening in the atmosphere nasa became the number one agency so now if you work with nasa now you have like fda control and fda is kind of like a baby it's like 
-hmm. It's so weird, but and it revolves around our main character. His his ability sort of is that he eats something and he gets like almost like this mental reenactment of like where it came from. So if he eats an apple, he knows the tree that apple fell from. He knows how that tree was grown and things like this, right? So it's like now that idea it grows throughout the series. So it grows to a point where if like he bites off a person's neck and this person is uh, say like a jujitsu master, if he eats enough of this person, he can become a jujitsu master. Does that where? make sense? So that's how that like that's where your villain kind of comes in. Obviously, there's another villain that that does this, and it it just it gets so crazy. There's other people that have like weird powers where they can make weapons out of chocolate, and they, like. I want to make a weapon out of chocolate. It's wild. <laughs> it's so good. It's so fun. It's so enjoyable. It's, I just I have to recommend it every time I sit down. But I have a funny story about bird flu. Okay, so, well, we got to wrap it up because we're almost at like an hour. So okay, well I'm gonna tell my funny. People are even watching funny, it even more. I'm sure they are. Sure. I'm gonna say my kind of, fun, kind of funny story and then we can go ahead. We'll shut it down. Um. So this guy that I used to be with, his stepmom was like super into the bird flu and she just thought for sure we were going to get a hit in like 2000 this was 2007 she just knew for sure there was going to be a bird flu epidemic within the next few years after that so let me just she just stocked up on everything everything canned foods all of the things she's right. like a basically a survivalist anyways i thought that was pretty hilarious that she would do that like so those people actually exist. She just was all about there was going to be a bird flu epidemic that we were like behind time. Like there was previous ones and we're just behind the timeline of when there's supposed to be a bird flu epidemic. <laughs> I wonder if there was a movement at the time because this series started in 2008 or 2009. It's finished now, but it started Probably. a year or so after that. So I wonder. That's interesting. I'm going to have to look into that. Everyone look into the bird flu epidemic. <laughs> Anyways, let's shut it down for the week. Let's, let's get these people out of here. Right? Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. All right, well, we'll see you next time. Uh, you can follow us on all the social platforms at the A to Z Exchange. <laughs> That's right. Bye-bye. <laughs> the next week, we plan to have a DJ on. Yes, That's my friend goal. Brandon. It's going to be awesome. Sweet. All right. Thank you guys so much. See you later. Mm -hmm.